Well, hello, hello. Welcome to TAO Intentions Podcast. Today's guest is Tiffany O'Bannon. On today's podcast episode with Tiffany O'Bannon, we will be discussing African American and minority women's issues on oppression and sexism. Welcome back, Tiffany O'Bannon. Hi, I'm glad to be back. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Okay, good. I know you have a busy schedule, a busy day. Um, I just have to ask for an update. I know that it's still COVID, but um, are you attending any auditions for the new season as an actress? I actually have one today, yes. Things are are starting to pick up, so I'm excited. Um, Things are picking up, and like I said, I have an audition today, so great things to come. All right. Okay. Well, you are a therapist, just to put that out there again, um, with, of course, your hobby or creative outlet as an actress outside of being a therapist. So it's nice to just kind of touch bases with that and, and see how things are progressing for you. As a therapist, things are going well. I mean, there's always people needing therapy during COVID. Um, I got a lot of people that were um, calling and really having issues and stressors personally related to COVID and just being inside and not being able to go out and move around the way they wanted to. But now um, people are coming in with different issues now that it's getting a little bit, things are getting a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, things are shifting a little, but everybody's, someone's always in need of therapy. So it's kind of like the hair salon, right? Yes. Um, you always need your hair done. So. People are always coming in, so it's great. Of course, we all need therapy, including myself. (laughs) (laughs) Including myself, right? Yeah. So for today's podcast episode, um, you will be educating us on your specialization. You had discussed your passion and what motivated your decision to become a therapist. Today, um, I will be talking or taking this opportunity to dive in a bit deeper uh, with your specialization. But first... Uh, what is the difference between a therapist and a psychotherapist? So some people say therapist, some people say psychotherapist. Therapist can be kind of general, like there's physical therapists, yoga therapists, occupational therapists. So usually um, I say psychotherapist to just um, be more specific. Like psycho is just short for psychological therapist. Mm-hmm. So it just means that you're a therapist of psychology or, you know, psychology or the mind. Okay. It doesn't necessarily mean psycho. Like, <laughs> like it sounds like the psychotherapist is just like sort for psychological. Okay. No, I just had to check because when I was doing up, you know, um, a few documentations, I noticed that you had said that you were a psychotherapist rather than just a regular therapist. So I just wanted you to clear that up. Uh, for myself as well as the audience what the difference might be so I'm really glad Mm -hmm. that you kind of gave us examples of what you know therapists could mean and how vague and broad it is and then Mm -hmm. explaining why psychotherapists is what you go with because you're specifically helping people with psychotherapy right because sometimes I'll say I'll go somewhere and then people say what do you do and I say I'm a therapist and then they say well what kind of therapist so I kind of just beat to the punch and say I'm a psychotherapist no, it's it's wise. <laughs> All right. So being a therapist means that you might have a specialization. So what is your specialization? So I specialize in African-American and other minority women's issues. Okay. And why did you choose to gear your focus on that issue? So it's a funny story. So um, I hadn't planned to do that. I actually planned to work with the severely mentally ill, which I actually do work with them too. But the way I started focusing on African-Americans and other minority women is um, when I first became licensed, I... um, was so ready, right? My first clients contacted me. It was a mother and a daughter. And I was so excited. It was African-American mother and daughter. And I was like, okay, this is great. I got my first clients as a licensed. I had, you know, done therapy before, but as a licensed therapist, these were my first clients. Um, and I was excited about it, but then it like dawned on me like, okay, wait, what, what do I talk to them about? 
you know, you have in your training, you have like individuals that you get trained to um, do therapy with couples, families, but there was never any training specifically on the mother-daughter relationship. So I started to do like all this research because I'm like, okay, these are my first clients. I got to be ready. It was like, like, like I said, an African-American mom and daughter. So I had like, I'm like, I can't let them down. I got to do this. I got to know what I'm doing, you know? Um, And I started to do research on the mother-daughter relationship. And what I found when I did this research is that due to a lot of things that have happened specifically to us as women in history, um, that has led to a lot of the conflicts we have um, every day with our female friends and our relationships and with our mother-daughter relationships and just in our lives in general. So I had gathered this information, thought it was interesting, and I was like, oh, okay, this is great. Um, And then as I started to gain more minority and African-American clients, I started seeing the themes that I had researched, like really come to life with people that I knew. Like it was different reading it. It's like, oh yeah, I get that. But then when you see numerous people come in and they have those issues that I read about, I felt really motivated and just really inspired to um, focus on these issues and educate women um, about some of the things that have happened just in society that really affect us that we don't really realize but contribute to our quality of life. So I focused it on African Americans and minorities specifically because that's what I am. (laughs) So I felt like I could relate to that more because that's my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's who I was vibing with, you know, at the time, those are the people I had. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really feeling this. I feel inspired. It gives me life. Um, So that's my specialty. I just decided one day that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Okay. No, that's, that's, thank you for sharing that. So um, African-American and minority women's issues is extremely broad. How would you break that down? So I would break down African-American and other minority women issues to include um, ideas of like sexism, um, emotional oppression in a lot of ways, um, just oppression in general. Um, They have experiences of a lot of my minority women have a particular experience being immigrants. Um, Those are some issues that come in that people like to discuss. Um, Workplace um, racism, those are some things. These are some that people come in to see me for. So these are some of the issues that I treat. I wouldn't want to um, break it down to any specific ones, but these are common ones, common themes, emotional um, oppression, um, um, toxic guilt, Um, workplace racism, um, experiences being um, immigrants. Those are some top, probably some top ones that I would say are within that category. Okay. And when did you decide to make this specialization your focus? Just the mother and daughter? Just that once after you did the research, it was just, bam, this is what I wanted to do? No, not after that particular one. I I didn't make it my specialty until I saw how that research that I had done really affected many of the women that came to see me. So I was like, wow, more people should be talking about this or should be educated on how, you know, our unique experience as women um, still affects us in our relationships today, despite having you know, more equality than we've had in the past. So it came later on. Okay. So what in women's history did you learn that influenced you to focus on African-American and minority women's issues? So what I realized, I think, was the thing that really motivated me was, you know, over the years, we've had a lot of, we've been, uh, there's been a lot of emotional trauma. There's been a lot of oppression and just unequal rights in general. So like throughout history, a lot of times women were expected to um, maintain like traditional roles like cooking, cleaning, taking care of children, 
in many cases they weren't able to go to school because you know they weren't seen as you know the person to eventually get a job they were supposed to take care of the family um and you know take care of the man when they got when they got married, you know, taking care of the kids. And they were emotionally neglected in lots of ways. They were abused by men in their family, mothers, brothers, not mothers, sorry, fathers, brothers. And this isn't every family. I'm not saying every single family. But just as an idea in general, we have taken on just a specific role. And we weren't able to, in many in in many instances, we weren't able to go out and get jobs. We weren't able to go get an education. That came later on. We acquired additional um, rights and, you know, things became equal as far as us getting jobs and education. But there was no trickle-down effect for the emotional neglect and the emotional abuse that we experienced. So now we're equal and we're in the workplace and we're able to get the same jobs as men in certain cases and we're able to have the same education but all this emotional neglect that we've experienced over the years is still with us and that gets um, funneled down into our relationships today with our spouses with our children and with other in in, in many cases with our female friends mm-hmm. I definitely understand where you where you're coming from when you spoke about you know the gender roles and how women, you know, were only perceived as just to clean the home, take care of the kids, take care of your husband. And I can see how, you know, a female would be neglected in that sense because a man goes out to work, he comes home, he provides. There's not enough time to really pour into the to the wife or the mother of your children the way that you should or you could and maybe most of the times men didn't know that they needed to do that so I definitely understood um when you mentioned that as I feel like it's it was a problem and so Mm -hmm. I can see why a lot of women these days are now kind of demanding those things that they weren't receiving before and trying to say look we are humans like we have feelings it's great that you want us to cook and clean and take care of your kids and raise your kids for you, but we have needs as well. So I definitely understand that point of view. Right. We've gotten much better at that um, today. We're like, we're about our rights these days, right? Yeah. Um, in, in, some, in some cases. I had a, an older woman. Um, she wasn't, this is like one example. She wasn't able to go to college. Um, she, at this point, she was was like 82 she was saying how she wasn't able to go to college because her father told her that she didn't need to go to college and she just needed to find a husband and if she were to go he wasn't going to pay for it oh wow so that really like stuck with her even now even though she was 82 years old right she was denied you know just getting education because she was told you should be doing this and that does something to your spirit you know what I mean? Like she had this dream of going to college and she did, you know, she wasn't able to go. Of course she could have gone later, but by then she had children and, and it wasn't, it's not, it's never too late. Right. But just the idea that that's the position we were put in, um, you know, for, for many years, there has been a lot of residential res, residue and residual effects from that type of um, experience that we have being neglected and not able to do the things that we wanted to do with our own lives. Yes, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you feel that women have experienced trauma throughout history? They have. Ex- we have experienced some challenging things, yes. Um, I don't know if I would use trauma um, that's really heavy, but, and maybe that's just part of me not wanting to admit it myself, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, we have, we've been neglected emotionally, um, in many ways, like I said, just kind of like the example that I gave, and I have other examples too, where we're not, for many years, we weren't able to have a voice. I was watching the TV show called Ethos, and it was, a, it's about a Muslim woman, And it kind of shows these roles and the oppression she experiences um, as a woman, physical abuse by her brother, 
not being able to make her own decision. She has to always go to her priest to whenever she wants to make a decision because women are, you know, low on the totem pole. And in many cases today, even in churches, you know, they're still like, you know, talk to your husband. The husband is this. The husband is that, you know, it's as if our voice isn't the number one, like we have to answer to someone else. So this emotional neglect that we've experienced over the years has repressed us. Like our voices have been repressed for so long and you get used to it. And if you've seen um, that happen for so long, you start to think it's normal. So you start to have these ideas in your mind, like a woman doesn't do this thing or women act this way. So then that's a kind of negative message that you're sending yourself also. So there has been this really, this emotional, I guess, trauma that we've experienced because we've been given this message that our voices should be repressed and that um, to be a lady, this is what you should do, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a trauma, right? Because if you can silence us, then we can't ask for what we need. So um, I think there has been, yes. It's getting better. But in history, there it was an issue, yes. Yes, I, I, I clearly remember the phrase at some point back in the day where either another man or someone else would say to another man, why can't you control your woman? She's talking mm-hmm, too much. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get what you're saying in that perspective, from your perspective, that that is oppression, that that is trauma, traumatizing. And even with the story that you shared, the fact that, you know, she was younger and her father refused to send her to school and, you know, she was still struggling with that in her 80s, I feel like that's that's something that was truly traumatic for her mm-hmm. if she, mm-hmm. you know, was struggling with it. And it's sad to think that, you know, some of these women go to their graves being oppressed and never being able to speak up or to be heard and that's just Mm -hmm. really sad and in some cases not even realizing that it was oppression because it's been so normalized you know in their time that it's like oh well that's just the cards I was dealt so I have to take it to the grave and that's just my life yeah which sucks (laughs) it's a lot of broken souls (laughs) all right so how would that transfer generationally? So this is the part where it gets tricky. Um, well, I wouldn't say tricky, but when a woman, let's say a grandmother or a mother, has experienced certain types of oppression, sometimes it's very sneaky in the way they pass it down to their daughters, right? So, um, for instance, I'll give an example of me. One time my... Um, my grandmother was staying with me and my husband. So both I work, as you know, my husband works. So he came home and I came home. And then she said, well, aren't you going to make, aren't you going to make him something to eat? That's a working man right there. And I'm like, well, I went to work too. Like, what am I chopped liver? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like she had this idea of the proper woman is this. Right. Mm -hmm. And you need to be doing this and that. And if you're not doing that, then you're not a woman. Well, not you're not a woman, but you're not doing your womanly duties. And sometimes we see our moms and we see how she presents in a relationship. And of course, that's the role model that we have for our life. So we start to continue to oppress ourselves because now because you have this idea of this is the way. And I, I should be as a proper woman. Now I, I got to go home. I got to work. I got to take care of the kids. But I have to make this meal too. Then we continue that same idea. You know what I mean? And not to say that there's anything wrong with you wanting. I mean, with you coming home and making a meal for your husband, even though you worked. If that's what you want to do, you mm-hmm. know. But when it's you feel like that's your duty because you're a wife and you have to do it, then it takes on you know, something different. So these ideas that were modeled, the subliminal things that, you know, older generations um, say to us 
like, oh, you should be doing that. How, like, what, why, why are you doing that? You know, um, those types of things and ideas of how to be the proper woman. And sometimes you, it's silent. Yeah. Sometimes you, you just observe your mother and the thing, and the way she silences herself. Then, then you notice as you get married, you're silencing yourself also because that's just the behavior that you've observed. Yes, I completely understand. I do recall a story. I was speaking to a woman that was in her 40s, and I think she made a mistake by marrying the wrong man. And I mean, he was a beautiful-looking man. He carried himself well. He dressed really nice. Hair is always done. And, you know, she thought, okay, I finally found my husband after working so hard and trying to get a career and trying to build myself in a new country. She finally found her husband. And at some point, you know, he came from back home. Um, they, they, you know, produced a child. And afterwards, you know, even though she cooks and she cleans after she's finished work and she takes care of the baby. And I mean, he doesn't really have to do anything. He still kind of went out and cheated. I mean, she would always buy him clothes, buy him shoes. She made made sure he looked the best. She got him ready for his interviews. She drove him to his interviews. She dropped him off. She picked him up like she was a mom, basically. And he still cheated on her and still left her with with a drop of a hat. It was it. There was no thought. It, it, it just he didn't care to throw her out or their son together. And I remembered her saying that, you know, she told her mom about it back home and she did not know what to do. And her mom basically turned around and said, what did you do? Why, why is your husband cheating? You know, if he left you, it means that you're not working hard enough, that you're not being a good wife. So you need to go and do what you need to do to get your husband back because this is a reflection on you being a poor wife. And I thought to myself, that is abusive to blame uh-huh. her after she worked her ass off, went to school, university, put herself through, got herself a good job, you know, owned everything of her own and the money, little money that she made, she met him and she spent it on him and made sure he was well kept and he still left her for a woman that basically took all his money. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And only came back uh-huh. when it dried up. And the woman says she didn't want, uh, she, you know, the woman didn't want him anymore because he was broke. So he had to go back to the woman that catered to him and still went out and cheated again after he, you know, built up his money. But again, her mom made it clear to her that if her marriage doesn't survive, it's, it's a her problem. It's her fault. Mm-hmm. She didn't do what she was supposed to do. And I wanted to cry for her because, that, yeah. Okay, no, no, I was just thinking, like, when did it become a woman's responsibility to raise a man? Once he, once he leaves his home and becomes your husband and father to your children, he's supposed to be the head of the house. So why is it a woman's responsibility to raise a grown man and give him values mm-hmm. and morals? I just never it understood. It isn't our responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't, but I think... Just based on your family traditions, a lot of times, and how women are in your own family, those are the ideas and the um, just the values that you take with you. I had a friend, and she talked to me about how she had noticed in her family that the women were always the breadwinners and kind of downplayed themselves. For, for men, not down, not that they weren't in loving relationships, but they kind of would downplay themselves, even though they were making more money, they were the breadwinners, and all that, just so that the husband could, you know, feel like they were on this pedestal. And she noticed that that was a, a not a pattern, I can't think, a, a um, I can't think of the word, it's um, slipping my mind, but a, for lack of a better word, pattern in her family. So there are lots of things that go on, you know, in our families that get handed down without you even noticing, unless you take the time to reflect. Um, and a lot of them can be toxic ideas, or I hate to say toxic, but things that aren't the most empowering for us as women. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like that phrase. I like the last part you, you uh, shared there. <laughs> 
toxic is a, like a pretty re- intense word i like to rephrase things into more and positive statements rather than negative ones yes i think it's more healing i appreciate that for sure so do you feel that there are there are women's oppression and sexism within the workplace and what does that look like um i think that there definitely are i was talking to a client about this yesterday unequal pay is one thing um to a large extent we are still not getting the same pay we're still um expected to take on traditional roles like if you think about meetings at your job is it ever a man that's ordering the food for the meeting you know, or is it the woman that's ordering the food and setting things up while the men just sit there and wait, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we're expected to do the same amount of work after, even though we may have four kids at home that we have to get home and cook dinner for and, you know, be a present, uh, you know, parent while the husbands or the men, you know, get to stay at work at eight, come home meals is on the you know is on the table and if we work that late we're seen as the oh oh, she's working late and the kids are always with the nanny you know that's what you know that's the kind of thing that we get so I think that it's unequal pay at work some of the roles that are taken on within the workplace based on people who have you know come and discussed this with me they're still forced to kind of be in like this motherly position um and they're not given the same respect as the men despite in many cases working even harder so those are some common things when it comes to the oppression that i see oh and um not being taken seriously when it comes to men making passes at women it's gotten better with like the me the whole me too thing like i think men are like okay I can't do this anymore because, you know, there's like this uprising of me too and women, you know, I'll probably, you know, go to jail or catch a case if I continue. Mm-hmm. But, you know, women are like men making passes or just doing things that are inappropriate and them not necessarily knowing how to handle it. Because you can go to human resources, but the human resources is for the company. Yes, it's not it is. You, you know, so how oppressed in that way like okay if I share then everybody's going to be looking at me and I'm going to be the one do I you know the one that outed this person do I keep my job do I have to find another job um and even having to deal with that and not just being able to go and receive justice is an oppression right yeah like yeah so having to even negotiate those things is stifling in many ways so that's another issue too yeah and you're always standing alone with it it's not like you have a group of women that are going to stand behind you because they're all scared for their jobs they know that once she speaks up that she will no longer have a job in the next three months Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they won't do it immediately they'll do it slowly as per your first point about equality, I do have a story and I wanted to share the story so that maybe the audience can understand a bit more about what you're saying. And you can correct me by letting me know if that story isn't relevant to what you were trying to say. So there was um, a Caucasian couple who were married and um, they both worked in this particular company together, this firm. And he was making about $50,000 a year while his wife was making around 20 but she was doing majority of the work like she was carrying all of it all by herself and he just kind of spoke to people he was kind of like an ambassador liaison he didn't really have to do very much of the administrative work he didn't really have to pick up phone calls he just kind of sat there and and waited but he made about 50 grand to basically do nothing so she, she would sometimes have to be working from you know, six o'clock in the morning or six thirty in the morning and she's there at eight thirty at night, haven't eaten all day because she's so busy. And, you know, you can tell he's getting a bit frustrated because he's like, Why can't you just hurry up and finish your work so we can go home and you can cook us some food? 
And in my mind, I kept thinking, she worked that whole shift. You saw how hard she worked. You can see the stress in her face. You can see the stress in her eyes. She's trying to remain positive and you're trying to get her to hurry up so she can go home and cook you food. And I was so shocked and surprised because they wow. seemed like they were the perfect couple. They seemed so happy, hugging, mm-hmm. smiling together. And I was disgusted. So would that be an example of what you were talking about when it comes to unequal pay and, you know, the roles in companies? That's a great great example. Yes. The, you know, he's, she's doing all the work. He's making more. And the, you know, there's no reason that it should be that way. Not just because of, you know, you being a woman, you know, that has, you know, if everything should be equal in many cases, as just as you stated, we're doing the bulk of the work, you know? Yes. So there's no reason that this should still be going on. And I think the other part that just kind of made me sick about it is a few months in, I happened to be walking by and I overheard a conversation between them where he was upset at her because he felt neglected by her because she's not giving him enough attention. She doesn't make him feel attractive and he doesn't, she doesn't compliment him enough. And, you know, he's like, look at all these other women giving me compliments and you're not doing it for me. And, and she's trying to smile and kind of be emotionally supportive on top of all the work that she's doing and then still have to go home and prepare food for the entire family. And she was drained, completely Mm -hmm. drained. You know, that's another, um, I didn't bring that up as an issue. I totally forgot that one. But that's another issue that many of the African-American and minority women come in with is this super, this superwoman syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're expected to do all these things, cook, clean, um, work, and then come home and stroke a man's ego and all this. And that, no. Something has to be sacrificed, right? We can't do everything, and we're we're wearing this superwoman um, title as a badge of honor. Yes. When it's really pulling us down, you know, you can't do everything. No matter how many people say I can, you can do it all. You really can't. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't do it all, and we need help, right? And we have, you know, worn it as a badge of honor, not needing help. When that only um, ages us, you know, it makes us more tired, less feminine, because the time we would spend going to get our nails done or, do, you know, or picking out some lingerie, we're slaving over the stove, you know, or doing other things like tasks rather than, you know, taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean you can't cook. Or I don't <laughs> want to sound like this, like super feminist, but there should be a balance, right? Yeah, you should have time for it. Should be time for yourself when you need help. You should be able to ask for help and not be shamed, not be shamed, or not be expected to um, give your last ounce of yourself. And if you don't have it thrown in your face, yes. Right? You also forgot um, one point. On top of doing all of that, they expect you to be a freak in the bedroom, too. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> oh, so after, with my left, uh, you got to do, yeah, I got to come up with that, too. It's like, how does this balance? Yeah. Like, this is not, this is not working out. But I think a lot of minority women have taken on this superwoman idea, as like I said, as a badge of honor. And we do it, and we go, and we go, and we go, and then we get so frustrated and we burn out. Yeah. And then we're the angry, angry black woman for, for my group, right? Yeah. And then well, we can't take it anymore. And I think um, there's ways to not get pushed that far, but you just have to realize it and, you know, get things in balance. So wouldn't boundaries be something that a woman would need to exercise in those types of relationships? Yes. Boundaries are great. See, the tricky thing about boundaries is what I've noticed. People, a lot of people don't realize where they can and cannot have boundaries. So, like, for instance, um, with the couple that you were discussing, right? Yeah, the Caucasian couple. mm -hmm, If she came from a family where her mom 
you know, acted the same way. Like she, you know, worked to care for her husband, did all these things. Sometimes people don't even realize that they can establish boundaries to say, hey, how about you don't do this to me because that doesn't make me, you know, feel so good. Or as a result of this, I'm not feeling good. Sometimes people don't realize they can take that stand. Yeah. I'll say, well, well, why didn't you just say no? And they're like, I can say no. And it's like, yes, you can. You can say no. But they don't even realize it because it's so ingrained. And when all the women in your family do it, it's just like a given. That's what women do. It's not me. That's what women do. And I understand where, where that, there, that's another possibility. But I felt from her, just by talking to her and being around her, that it wasn't the fact that, you know, this is what her mother did. It was more of the fact that she, when she first met her husband, she thought he was larger than life. And so she felt that she needed to do everything that she possibly could do to to get him and keep him. And she was willing to go above and beyond to, to, to be with this man. And so when she got married to him now, she needed to make sure that she proved to him throughout the marriage that she was the best option, the best choice. And I thought to myself, just kind of reading the situation, that's a lot of work to be putting into fighting for a man to see you and only you. Right. And I didn't, sorry if I made it seem as though... No, no, no. That was your your friend's story. I didn't mean that. No, 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 no. I I, I like the fact that you gave like another option to it as well, because there are women out there from the example that you gave where and keep in mind this caucasian woman is not my friend i literally just met her once and assessed the situation when i was working at that company i haven't spoken to her ever since i left that company so we weren't really close but it was more of my observation that i'm expressing she's not really a friend but i do appreciate you kind of pointing out one aspect and i'm just pointing out another aspect from my observation in that specific situation not everyone is going to have that thought process but i like that we both kind of gave two different examples of what could be the issue Mm -hmm. and that's also a great example that you gave because some people another thing i have to explain another one of these oppressive ideas that have been um put on us is this idea that we're providers and men are the receivers right like it's hard for I get a lot of women that come in that it's hard for them to receive things from other people and to receive help and to receive assistance because they see it as a weakness yes and that has stemmed from the the years and years of you know people saying that we're we're the givers the women are the givers you have to be the giver you provide for the children you provide for the husband you provide for the community we're holding up the community we're doing you know we're doing everything we're and when it comes to receiving, it's, we're uncomfortable with it sometimes. Yes, you know, we are. It's like, oh, well, you, I don't need help. Help signals in our mind weakness. Yes. And we have to, dis, we have to disassociate that. Asking for help means healthy. Help means healthy. <laughs> it means balance. It means I'm acknowledging my need, you know, taking note of it, and I'm using my resources to help me so that I don't, you know, burn out. Well, you know, asking for help is one of the hardest thing in the world for us to do. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. I find it so difficult to do it. You don't understand. <laughs> it, you, I know, I, I hear what you're saying. It used to be hard for me. I had to transition myself into asking for it, into stepping back. Like everything I talk about, I've gone through it and like I've done it on myself and and, uh, I'm not gonna say I've done it on myself that sounds really weird but I've taken myself on that journey um too so it is it's very it's very hard I remember when I had to pull myself back from always being the first one to give all the time you know in relationships with people and let people do stuff for me and it was a tr- it was a transition. It's like I'm sitting there, like just really just holding myself back, right? Like mm-hmm. holding and giving up the ideas of being. A lot of times we're super flexible. I had to stop being so flexible. And yeah. when people say, "Hey, should we do this or should we do that?" Oh, whatever. No, I had to start saying, "Well, this is what I want to do." 
Yeah. Now, if I don't get that thing, I'm not like throwing a hissy fit, but acknowledging my own voice and just sharing my like what I feel and what my opinion is. Because another result of these years of oppression is we don't acknowledge our feelings anymore. Yes. Because we just, we just know if there are tasks that need to be done. However we get it done, we get it done. How I feel about it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. And then when you, when you ignore yourself for so long, you stop, under, you, you stop um, even checking in with yourself to ask yourself how you feel. So you'll get to an extent where someone will say, well, how do you feel about such and such? And it's like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I get so many. You know, it, it happens. I get so many people that I'm like, so what's that like for you? What's that experience like? And they tell me thoughts. Well, I was walking and then I figured and I'm like, no, 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 no. Tell me how you feel. And do you feel anxious? Do you feel disappointed? Do you feel um, happy? They can't even really share. Uh, they can't associate a feeling because they haven't asked themselves in months how they felt about anything. Mm-hmm. So, and that's really heartbreaking because, in my opinion, your intuition and your feelings are what guide you, right? They tell you what's right and what's wrong, what's like vibing with you, what's not. So, if you've just totally cut that off, it's like you're doing things with no direction in a way. You're living just based on commitments and just based on status quo or just, um, ideas but not with heart yes living like mind body soul well that's also yes i i was just thinking when you had mentioned um that story that you just shared um a lot of now now that you mentioned it i'm kind of thinking again and i went you know i've met so many women who are are considered to be indecisive i have never looked at it from the point of view that you had just mentioned which is that they were just oppressed or so used to oppressing their own voice because other people's have oppressed their voice that they just it comes off indecisive i never thought mm-hmm. of it that way mm-hmm. that's so true you're right mm-hmm. until you mentioned it <laughs> yep. exactly you don't know because you you don't think about it you just do whatever you're supposed and it's so easy i've done it like once you especially once you get kids you wake up at the sound of them crying so that's what you got to do. And then the next thing you got to do is you got to cook. And the next thing you got to do, you don't check in with how you felt about anything. You just got to get it done. Wow. You know? And then it's the end of the day and you wake up and you do it again. True. Never check, never checking in with how you feel. It's just like, I got to get it. I got to list the task, get it done by any means necessary. The, the, it's like you just survival of the fittest. Yes. Get it done and you're done. And then that's six months. That's five years. You never ask yourself a darn thing. Mm-hmm. You know? No, then that's right. You wake up like, oh, so who am I? You know, this. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> right. What, it, what do I like to do? Oh, I don't know. You know, I haven't done anything in five years, but, but reply to the demands of my life, you know? Yeah. Well, you did mention flexibility a little bit earlier. And while you mentioned flexibility and and basically women needing to to stop being too flexible and learning to just say, this is what I want. I also felt I've heard in my head really available. Some women are just too available. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that is a part of it as well? I don't. Uh, in many cases, I don't even think they're available, but they tell, they allow them, they make themselves available. I don't want to say make, how can I describe it? Positivity, girl. <laughs> right. I know, right. So I can have, I'll give an example. I can have 10 things on my list. I know within five, I got five hours left of the day. I can't get those 10 things done, right? But then my friend says, oh, girl, but can you come and do such and such and such and such? And I say, yes, you know. I'm not available, but I just made myself available, even though I'm not really available. But yes. I've done it. And I've just added an additional test because I'm a superwoman. I can get it all done. I'll figure it out. You know, that's the thing. I'll figure it out. And um, we are very available. We make ourselves available without even really being available. Yeah. Because if you sat and you checked in with yourself and you said, I have five hours. I would need to get 10 things done that I'm already not going to be able to get done in these five hours. Why am I adding this on my plate? Well, because you don't want to, you're afraid to say no. Yes. You're afraid of what that will spark. You're afraid of your residual feelings as a, you know, as a result of that. You're afraid of them, you know, saying something to you that you may not like. 
And then that's you continuing to really oppress yourself. Yes. You know, and then it just goes on and on and on. And also, you have to be brave to acknowledge your own voice in this day and age consistently. It takes a lot of bravery, I have to admit, because people, when you start doing it, people will not get you because they're going to expect you to go along with these ideas that are just, you know, status quo and are just traditional and for you to not stand up for yourself. Yes. And that's hard because um, there's this thing, this meme that says, I go to therapy every day to deal with people who don't, who need to be in therapy every day, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, Once you start getting yourself together, you know, people start, you start noticing things that don't work for you. Then people start to say things and it, it rubs you the wrong way. And then it gets challenging because you're like, ooh, that's not going to be okay with me anymore. What do I do now? I remember once I went to therapy and I'm like, every time I come in here, I feel like I have to leave and go have a conversation with somebody. And my therapist is like, I know, but it, it gets easier. It gets easier. Because you start realizing things and you start realizing I have to speak up. Now you feel like you got to speak up to everybody. Yeah. And you kind of have to do as a woman. That's in the beginning. Yeah, that's true. Until people start to realize you're not going to take any more stuff. And then <laughs> well, the reason why I brought up availability is because even with the Caucasian woman's story, um, I want, one of the things that I realized was her issue was that she was busy, but she kept making herself available which is why she couldn't get anything done and she was there for hours on end with no food in her stomach and still had to go home and do more because she just couldn't say no she always had to say yes because she's a people pleaser Uh uh and so that's that's the reason why i thought of thought of availability availability Uh yes yeah people pleasing is a common one too like it's um passed down in in families i'm not saying that did for her family. I don't know her particular story, but it's common. Okay. So how would you assist women in handling workplace oppression and sexism? So every situation is unique, but if I could think of a common thing or tool that I give people um, in these instances is it would be to speak up for yourself in some way. So like, for instance, if you feel like there are things happening, how can I give an example? Oh, I'll give a recent example. I had a client who felt that his boss was constantly um, being passive aggressive towards him, um, doing things that were just inappropriate. And he, this was a male, but um, he was always apologizing like, oh, I'm sorry that you felt that way. Um, this is really what happened, and he was always constantly apologizing, even though she was doing things to him that were extremely unfair. Mm-hmm. And I explained, if you continue to repress your own voice, that's what's causing you anxiety. That's what's calling you, causing you to have um, instances where you're sitting down and you burst, and you bust out crying, and like just having these um, uncontrollable emotions. So you need to figure out a way to express yourself that doesn't offend anyone, but you have given yourself a voice. So like one statement that I give people that can be universal to many um, situations is if someone is saying something that is oppressing you, um, you would say, you know, this is inappropriate. We should talk about this at a different time. You don't have to take anyone doing things to you or saying things to you that um, offend you. You can just say, um, this you know, interaction is inappropriate, so let's talk about this at a different time. So if that's, it, if that's a, a conversation, that's something that you can say. When it comes to sexism, you can just not go along with it. If you're asked to um, do things like say, you know, it's not your role to specifically order all the food for the company dinner or something, right? But they ask you to do it because you're a woman. You can easily suggest someone else, you know, someone else do it. Or how about you give it, it 
it's hard to describe that without having a specific situation because I don't want to make it like you're going to go around and say, well, I'm not doing that. It's not that. You have to be, you have to figure out a way that's you where you express yourself. The point is to express yourself because when you don't express yourself and you leave with the emotions on your shoulders, then they become other negative emotions later. Mm-hmm. So even if you say, actually, even if you said to that particular um, higher authority, I know you keep telling me to um, order this food because I'm because I'm a woman, but I'm going to do it this time. But next time, you have to ask somebody else. Even if it's a joke like that, right? Yeah. You've given yourself you've given yourself a voice, and now you've let now that emotion has been set free. Rather, if you say nothing and you just continue moving on, it's still within you. Does that make sense? Yes, I understand. Okay, so you want to always, in any situation, give yourself a voice. And you're not doing it for a particular response. It doesn't matter what the other person says. You're just giving yourself a voice to express what it is you're feeling. And you have to do this, though, without offending the other The key is to do it without offending people. Well, sometimes no is offensive. (laughs) There's nothing we can do about that. If no, well, if no is offensive, you can try to maybe not specifically say no you can say i'll do it this time but next time you can make a joke you can make it jokingly that's why i said it's hard to give i'm trying to give you a general but it's hard to give without the specific situation because you'll have to cater it to you yeah cater to your own voice i'm a jokester i like i can make people feel comfortable with being funny so i slide things in jokes so that's that's my thing yeah you have to figure out what works for your personality that you know you know rubs people the right way but then you're still saying what you need to say yes i understand completely no that's line but (laughs) (laughs) the the boundaries respecting boundaries now for the same question uh what would what would you advise women on handling oppression and sexism in their own relationships um for your own relationships is very similar um speaking up for yourselves when it comes to, well, the first step maybe that would be helpful actually is to notice if you notice any patterns within the women in your own family um, when it comes to men and you know male-female relationships and see if you're taking any of those ideas into your own. And then you can, and if that's the type of marriage you wanna have, like some women, they wanna be in the type of marriage or the type of relationship where the man is the head, they follow. If that's what you like, then that's fine. It's all about, you know, what it is that you like. But if there's something that you don't like, you have to be confident enough to share what that is, speak up for yourself. And if that person doesn't hear you or, you know, doesn't meet your needs, then you have to decide whether or not this is the person you're going to be in a relationship with. I'm not talking about marriage, but I'm talking about, you know, relationship. Um, because we teach people how to treat us, right? So you have to know where you're coming from and, like, what's your baseline and what you're presenting. Because a, a man is only going to do what you allow, right? So the more you know about your own behavior and what you allow versus what you want, um, the better you'll be able to stop the oppression and stop and stop the sexism because sometimes women want a certain thing but based on the way that they're acting they don't line up like you're not showing that you want to be respected because you're allowing him to disrespect you you know what I mean like how you you have to teach people how to treat and that starts with sharing what it is that you want and what you desire in a relationship that's one thing a big thing in general, having boundaries. What are your boundaries? What will you take and what will you not take? Sometimes we're so focused on being chosen that we don't realize that who we're choosing, who we're choosing. We just want them to choose us. <laughs> That's matter. true. We do. We, we just want them to choose us. Just choose me, choose me. It doesn't matter who that is. It's like you should be choosing, you know, because um, you have a life too and you have qualities you want to thrive you don't just want to be in a relationship but you want to thrive so if you want to thrive in a certain way but this man wants you to be stifled and stay small of course that doesn't match up but if you don't know what you want 
and you know the path to getting there then you end up with whatever you end up with so I think the first step is being clear on who you are um, what your ideas are and how you present yourself in a relationship um, and based on that you can kind of figure out what am I presenting and I, I want to be treated this way but am I if I'm acting this way maybe that doesn't line up for instance some women say they want leaders they want a man that's a leader right but they get in the relationship and they do everything and I'm like well you're not really leaving the space for the man to lead like that doesn't make sense you if you want him to lead then you're gonna have to practice sitting back and being a receiver so that he can lead because if you're gonna get in in the relationship and you're gonna do everything a man will take it like I mean he's not gonna say hey don't do that for me you know what I mean he's just gonna sit there and let you do everything for him so in some cases we continue to bring these ideas the superwoman syndrome toxic guilt and different things into our relationships and we continue our own oppression and they just let us do it you know? <laughs> um, yeah it hey, sounds really sad yeah we're they're not gonna say hey babe don't cook me that food you work today don't cook that some men will i'm not saying that there aren't some men got it together they you know they're like no i see that's unfair but some women are some uh, the majority of men are going to, if you get home after working and you say, okay, let me go cook you some food, they're going to say, okay. <laughs> and you have to make sure that the way you're acting really lines up with the goals that you like in a partner. And a lot of times they're incongruent. I hope that makes sense. Oh, it made total sense. I love the example that you gave. And I was like, oh my God, everything she's saying is so true. Because I've met so many women who are like, oh, we're looking for a man of the house and he's ahead. And then when you get into their house, it's like, man's just sitting there and a woman's running around like she's a chicken with her head cut off. Right. And I'm like, what? Exactly. What, what is going on? And at this point, he's exhausted just watching her. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true. Yep. So y- your example was just perfect. So in your opinion, what are some areas that women can focus on healing in regards to women's oppression and sexism? I think areas that they can focus on, um, as I mentioned before, is their voice. Really, we're ignoring our voices, our own ideas, our own thoughts, our own needs so much. And I don't think I think in many cases we aren't realizing it because we're the most, and it's because we're the most educated in a lot of cases in this day and age, we're the CEOs of most, a lot of the companies, you know what I'm saying? So we're accomplishing things. We have accomplishments, we think we're happy, we're doing things, but yet and still, we don't really know what we need or how we feel because we're accomplishing things. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make 100% a lot of sense. So, like you said, with your friends being indecisive and, you know, us not really checking in with what it is that we need as, uh, as individuals. What, like, at, like, do you need to, what do you need to feel good every day? Do you need to go on a 30-minute walk? Do you need to make sure you take a bubble bath? Do you need, you know, to get your one hour of exercise in? Sometimes we feel guilty for caring for ourselves. That and, is very true. And it shouldn't be it, it shouldn't be that way. I shouldn't have to feel, and when it comes to um, raising children, you want to show your children, your daughters, healthy moms, balanced moms. Not moms giving her, themselves to the extreme and, you know, not having anything left over for themselves. Because that's what your daughter is going to repeat, right? So it's good, I think, one way to heal is to figure out what it is that you need and be brave enough to ask for it and and do it. It's not going to feel comfortable at first, you know, standing up for yourself and what you need despite, um, you know, the pushback that you could have. Everybody's not going to have pushback, but for some people who do experience it, but acknowledging what you need and going for it. If you need to work seven hours a day versus nine, you need to work seven hours a day versus nine, you know, Um, because that's what you need personally for yourself. Sometimes we overlook that in order to gain an accomplishment. And 
that's not so healthy, you know? Um, or we just work ourselves like to the bone and we don't have, we just don't have anything left for ourselves. I think we need to start putting ourselves first, step by step. I know it's not like an overnight thing, but we can start with just checking in. What do I need to do every single day to give myself some time to make me happy? Is it wake up in the morning for 10? And it doesn't have to be, I don't mean any like dramatic process. It can be you wake up 10 minutes earlier before you start your day to drink tea for 10 minutes. If that makes your soul feel good, you do that for yourself. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be dramatic, but something for yourself so that you are in tune with yourself. I think that's why so many people had issues with COVID because now without so many tasks, now everybody's sitting there with their thoughts. Now it's like, wait a minute, what's this? what is this I'm thinking? What, what do I do with my time? What are these thoughts? Now you're starting to feel stuff. Because you can't do any, you can't, there's no tasks. Your tasks have slowed down traumatically, right? Now you're getting feels. So um, I think we need <laughs> They're to stuck in their feelings. <laughs> yeah, now you're like, oh my God, I have to think. Oh my God, I have to actually have a conversation with my husband that doesn't have to do with what are we going to eat for dinner. You know, it's like, so I think we need to check in with ourselves. Ask ourselves how we're feeling. What do we need? And how do we get to that to accomplishing and fulfilling that need that's the first step all right now last question before we end this episode um are there any subcategories of this issue that we might have missed in our discussion um subcategories i think we covered mostly everything a couple of ideas that came to mind afterwards um were just and we kind of touched on it at the end women as a result of what we've experienced just as over functioning and being over accommodating um we talked about that a little bit but that's really um something that contributes to us continuing our own oppression just being over accommodating for people i went to excuse me a um a friend's house i was dating someone at the time and we went to their friend's house, and, there, and it was a married couple, and the woman had two sons. And I was there, and my daughter was playing with the, with the boys. And when we were about to eat dinner, I was trying to help clean up, right? Because I'm like, I'm not about to go to this woman's house and contribute to her having to clean up. Like, my daughter's messing up stuff. Let me help clean up. So the husband says, oh, don't worry about that. Whatever. I can't think of what her name was such and such rule, she just goes through and cleans all that up before they go to sleep. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then she goes, yeah, don't, she's like, don't worry about it, it's fine. You know, and she meant it in good spirit, but she looked so miserable. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You know, I can't contribute to you, um, like, over-functioning in this house and not having your kids clean up and then I come in and I don't clean up either like I can't contribute to it but you can tell that that's the way she lived and she did look happy about it but she wasn't um bitter about it either she had the look on her face as if that is the position that she has taken and she's gonna deal with it and like that's it couldn't it be that she just loves feeling needed because that is a factor as well, why women would settle for that kind of behaviors or thoughts. That's true, too. It could be that she um, also likes feeling needed. That, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. That could totally be it. It's always, there's so, there, there's so many possibilities. Um, <laughs> as a therapist, you'll get to each and every one of them. <laughs> right. It's just it's breaking it down to see where the ideas, you know, come from. But yeah, the over accommodation and over, um, we over function and we over function with pride, but we never look at what, what we sacrifice as a result of that. We sacrifice our youth, we sacrifice our time, we sacrifice our, our, um, our ability to be feminine, um, and we just sacrifice us in many ways, so... 
Okay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. I am so glad, you know, you came on the podcast today to discuss your specialization. And honestly, you've opened my eyes to a lot of things that I've never thought of before. I'm telling you, I'm still in awe at the fact that I've always thought of indecisiveness, indecisiveness as something that someone is born with. I really would never have thought that indecisiveness could be oppression. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, because you, oh, sorry. no, 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 don't apologize. I was finished. I was just, I'm still in shock. <laughs> yes, like you don't, because, you know, what you what you do with your mind, they're like muscles to an extent. So if you don't practice asking yourself how you feel, you don't think about how you feel. Yes. You go along with the next thing. It's not until you have to ask yourself, what do I think about this? And some people see that as negative, like being in touch with your emotions and all that. And being in touch with your emotion doesn't mean you always have to act on them. There's sometimes I wake up and I'm like, man, I do not feel like working out, right? Or I don't feel like playing this game with these kids. Doesn't mean I don't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you check you check in with yourself, though. And you're like, yeah, I didn't feel like doing that, but, you know, I'm going to do it. Sometimes it causes you to act, sometimes it doesn't. And I think that people sometimes see checking in with your emotions as negative because they're like, well, you can't always act on your emotions. And it's like, but I'm not talking about act. I'm just saying check in with yourself so that you know what you're feeling and what you're experiencing. You're being present and saying, this is my feeling, but this is, you know, what needs to be done. That step sometimes just gets overlooked. The only time it should probably be overlooked usually is when you're like exercising because you will always say, I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but everything else is just a guide. It's a guide for you. So the more you suppress it, the less I think that's how people get to the places where they're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. They've kind of tapped out of that. You know, it's a process to get back there once you've tapped yourself out. It can be done, but it's a process. Yes. No, thank you so much for having this conversation. Thank you so much for, you know, giving me the the space and the room to just kind of express my thoughts and have you, you know, banter with me a little bit. It was it was just great. <laughs> Yay, I'm great. You I'm glad you enjoyed it. Hopefully everyone got something from it. Oh, they will definitely get something from it. I can promise you that so how can people reach you tiffany o'bannon um you can reach me you can always email me my um, email address is mft tiffany like marriage and family therapist tiffany at gmail.com or you can follow me on instagram Um, my instagram handle is tiffany t-i-f-f-a-n-y o as in my last name o'bannon wellness tiffany o wellness Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today and you have a wonderful day. Great. You too. Now I hope you all enjoyed the show. Don't forget to click the follow button under TAO Intentions Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. TOA's social media pages are Facebook at The Ambitious Obsession, Instagram and Twitter at The Ambitious Ops. I hope you all have a wonderful day.